And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the Internet now. Oh, sure. Next, you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Well, hello, friends, and welcome into the Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. I am Chris Welsh, and today it is just me and Jake. That's Jake Seeley, the all-in kid. It's just me and Jake having a little bit of alone time, a little bit of fun time, talking about divisions. That's what we're going to be doing here is a little series over the next couple episodes. And we're on the East Coast. We're easting it here. West Coast? East Coast? Well, I know Jake is an East Coast guy. I'm a West Coast guy. But we're talking about the AFC and the NFC East, the teams. What are the biggest questions, fantasy questions around some of these teams? I have a few that I'm going to throw out. Jake might turn it into a completely different direction. That is what we've got on docket today because Brandon Funson has ditched us. I don't even know where, where is Brandon okay? I don't even know. I don't know. know. I've never seen anybody do more vacations during like football season, <laughs> like in preseason. And when like, like we were off for how many weeks? Like we didn't have episodes. And then Funson's we go back together for three weeks. Oh, I'm on vacation. <laughs> he texts us. He's like, by the way, I'm gone, guys. And last week he was with uh, Bogman, my, my buddy, Scott Bogman, at the uh, All-Star game in Seattle. Bogman hit him up and they just went out to the game and hung out. And then he went on vacation. He's living his best life, Brandon is right now. He is. He's, I, I think he's clinging close to retirement. Maybe that's what it is. <laughs> no, 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 he's not that old, is he? No, no, no. I just meant like being done with everything. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God, that makes me laugh. Well, uh, we will have Brandon back next week, and it will be good to do so. Uh, today, though, like I said, we're going to be talking about the divisions. We'll get into all these bad boys. Make sure you go over to The Athletic right now and sign up. A couple bucks a month will give you access to Jake's ranks, which you want. You want to get set. You want to be prepared. Not only will the podcast prepare you, but everything that Jake has going on. Anything uh, special coming up here in the near future for you that people should be on the lookout mm, article-wise? Or? Just the draft gets out. That's, that's what matters. It's just That's everything you need and stuff coming out more. As it goes, it's the draft <laughs> kit. Like, Stuff just, and things. <laughs> things. I also, just go I also got the, uh, I got my copy of the Athletic Fantasy Football magazine which I was very excited about. So, Which that's really nice, too, because they actually include a QR code so you can go to the website and get all the updates. And the draft kit. There you go. Kaboom. There you go. Boom. You, like, there you, you know, go. get Do that it. magazine that we did, you know, two months ago and be like, Jake, yeah, you know, you still have Dalvin Cook and the Vikings. <laughs> like, yeah, this is what happens when they force you to do these things in May. I know I was going through and uh, I, I luckily I'm in it. So I got excited. I'm in it a little bit and I was going through the mock draft and there was, there was one pick in there. I was like, why did I do this? I don't remember even doing it. Uh, I think it took like a second tight end and I'm like, I don't remember doing this after I took Kittle, but I had some good picks in there. So you guys can go and check out that QR code takes you to the draft kit, get all set. Funzy funzy. That's one way to say it. If you don't like it, assumed it was too early. <laughs> you can just get an excuse if someone complains. Yeah. Why'd you do this? It was two months ago. So that's why. Yeah. But there's some really great stuff in it. It's a big, thick magazine. Lots of fun stuff. Lots of Jake. Lots of the athletics. So go and check it out and get hooked up, my friends. All right, let's uh, let's get into this. We're talking about the Easts. 
AFC and NFC. Let's start over in the AFC. And these are going to be the fantasy relevant questions that are tying in all these divisions when we're, you know, putting a little bit of focus on the teams. And starting with the Bills, Jake, the first thing that came to my mind when I was thinking about this team is not Josh Allen, was not, you know, is Gabe Davis the biggest disappointment, you know, over the last 12 months? It's actually James Cook. It was Cook in that can Cook truly be a feature back because I feel like there is a lot of dissent around the fantasy value of Cook and also still some rumors. I've I've heard the Dalvin Cook rumor that's floated out there. You know, there's multiple running backs that are still available on the market. So there's guys that can ruin it. But at the end of the day, do you think James Cook is going to be the value and can be a feature and fantasy back that we trust? Nope, nope. And now, well, the first question is because people believe the second, which is not happening. Like James Cook is just, he's good. He's great. He's what he is. But he, what he is is part of a timeshare. And people keep ignoring the fact of Damian Harris being part of that timeshare. Damian Harris is one of the better running backs inside the 10 in the short yards. And he's going to be the goal line option. Like James Cook is going to get options. James Cook is going to get used. But the biggest factor here is even if, James Cook was 50-50 with Damian Harris in the red zone. Like, like, let's play that scenario. Let's play 60-40, James Cook. It's still 60-40 of a pie that starts with Josh Allen. And that's always the biggest issue, is Josh Allen in a backfield, similar to Cam Newton in a backfield in that day, unless you have one guy who is the guy, like that stretch that Singletary had uh, two years ago. Like, there's, there's stretches where we've seen it, and it can work, but anytime you involve two running backs with a running back or a running type of quarterback like Josh Allen, it's just, no, the, it, fine. Give me James Cook as an RB three, maybe an RB two. If I went three wide receivers in the first four rounds, I could live with that. But the problem is, is people are excited for what James Cook can do as the lead guy. And look at how good he was on split carries and blah, blah. No, I, to give you an idea, I have James Cook behind Rashawn Penny. Like I, I think Rashawn Penny has the higher ceiling. And, and, and I'm not presenting, definitely not presenting Cook like he is this major big back, but he's definitely a target for so many people. Maybe even the zero RB crew, the consensus rank on him in half PPR is 31, but Damian Harris is not even in there. So the consideration is that he is a flex option to Damian Harris not being, but this has the feel of like a Walmart branded DeAndre Swift uh, Jamal Williams situation on a team that doesn't utilize the running back quite enough in that what you said, like we build up the expectations because that James Cook is an explosive back that can catch out of the backfield yet like Jamal Williams did with the Lions last year. Damian Harris is the guy, as soon as they get in the five, he's probably going to get all of the touches. So you already have a lessened fantasy backfield on a great offense and now you've split these two guys up. I think it's just expectations of what a receiving athletic back can do in a Bills big offense. And we've just kind of continuously see that, like you said, with Devin Singletary. So it's not, it's really not built up. And obviously, I don't know. What does that put him at for you when you said he's behind Penny? Uh, 36. Oh, God. So he's like barely a flex option. Mm, just uh, well, he's in a tier. And that's the thing. It's like, so my tier four ends with Damian Pierce and James Conner. The next tier is enormous. If you're for, and you want to argue that, that that's fine. Like you can disagree. Like, hey, the customizable projections. You can say, you're dumb, Jake. He deserves 50% of the share. Like that, you can go do that and see what it does to James Cook. But this tier, it's funny that you mentioned that. It starts with DeAndre Swift and it mm. ends with Cordero Patterson. It's in, like Swift, Gibson, Javante, David Montgomery, Robinson, Herbert, Kamara, 
because probably suspended. Jamal's Penny, Cook, Pirine, Harris. Harris is in this tier too. Elijah Mitchell, Charbonnet, Singletary. There you go. Jeff Wilson. Do you want their Jeff <laughs> Jerk McKinnon, Cordell Patterson? Now you don't even have to buy the draft kit. You just got an entire. How, <laughs> you like, was that? The whole 27 to 45. That's 19 guys. I just gave you 19 guys right on them off. Only other thing I'm going to ask to the Bills real quick. Did the non signing of DeAndre Hopkins exponentially improve Kincaid's no. ability to be the slot <laughs> receiver? No. No. Can we stop with this? Kincaid's well, fine. Well, we can, we Kin- can, we can, but people don't want to. We'll talk Kincaid year two. It's tight end. Like the situation with Kyle Pitts is rare that somebody has a thousand, I mean, a thousand yards is historic, but even before him to have a tight end one type of season, we're talking like Evan Ingram when there was nobody left on the Giants because everybody and their brother got hurt that year. Uh, it's those type of situations where, okay, maybe he catches eight touchdowns. He finishes a tight end one. Sure, it could happen. Like just, but Kincaid being the third option and Dawson Knox didn't go anywhere. And granted Dawson Knox is going to block more, but that's the problem. That's actually the problem. They need to run more 12. They were one of the highest 11 set run teams last year. And now they're going to run more 12. Sure. And when that happens, Dawson Knox will block. Sure. But that also means that Dawson Knox is going to be on the field much more than Kincaid when there's only one tight end. Cause he's the better blocker. So it just comes down to is are we going to sit here and say Kincaid is definitively the number three behind Diggs and uh, Gabe Davis, as you mentioned, the disappointment of last year, which now I'm back in on because he's around 40 at wide receiver. Like, now I get to buy him at a discount. Sure, I'll, I'll do that. But Kincaid's going way too high. Kincaid's going almost as a tight end one. Like, funny funny enough, too, they, they it, this might be like their, their running back situation where Kincaid might be the guy that gets receptions, but when you get into the red zone, it goes to Knox, and if Knox is taking those touchdowns away as well, that would limit some of that big upside we're building into Kincaid. I mean, unless you believe Kincaid's going to get like eight, to, really going to truly be the slot receiver and get like eight targets a game, which, to your point, I don't think he is because Knox is going to be on the field a lot more than we're Plus, expecting. they have Shakir and other wide receivers, too. So it's not just yeah. him and nobody else. There's going to be other people involved. I mean, what do you think, for Kincaid people out there, what are you thinking, um, Cole Komet two years ago, the 60 reception, 612 yards, probably wouldn't score zero touchdowns. But two years ago, I mean, I want to say Komet was like 15-ish that year. Or is it Cole Komet? He was 21. So even if you give him three touchdowns, that boosts him up to tight end 16. Like, I, I, you see what I'm saying? Like, 60 and 600 sounds like a pretty good number for a rookie tight end as the third, fourth, fifth option. Yeah, people are looking for extra value out of big offenses, and that's kind of what the Bills provide. Another big offense is the Dolphins. And the question I present to you, I think there's a lot. The running back situation I could have put on here, but I just think it's so open we just kind of don't know. But it's about Tua, because I've seen some people pick Tua as a bust for this year as someone that they don't like, they don't want to invest in, especially with that back end of quarterback. And what I wonder is with two wide receivers ranked as top 10 fantasy options, can Tua be a top five fantasy quarterback with those options this year? Or is Tua a fade regardless of those great wide receivers? So I actually love Tua. I mean, really, if you look at what Tua did last year, I don't even talk about the six touchdown game. Just when he was healthy, before the concussions and situation started racking up, it was <clears throat> what everybody hoped from Tua. It was like, oh, breakout. Like, he's got Tyreek Hill. He's got Jalen Waddell. They're the one and two. They're like, you could one day be one and the other one's the other two and switch back and forth. But you've got them two elite weapons. I mean, you're talking about two top 10, 15 at worst wide receivers 
for one quarterback. And we saw Did you the say making too team. elite, by the way? Did you just create a word too elite? Too elite? Too elite. I think I too heard elite. too elite. And I think you just created a thing. I didn't mean to interrupt you, but I got so excited. Too elite. Too elite, Jay. Keep going. If, if two is top six this year, that's where we just we coined it today. July 18th. Too elite. Oh God, I, that makes me can we get so Roto Wear to put that on a shirt? Too elite. Too elite. Yeah, we have to do that. Too elite. Okay, so yeah, I, we've gone down this road before, and the most recent one. Oh, I wait, remember, I didn't even finish my statement. Yeah, yeah I'm sorry. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Finish, finish. <laughs> so, point being, uh, the Tyreek Hill thing is something that people assumed from Kansas City. They were like, oh, he's a big play. Well, Tua doesn't have the greatest big play arm. Well, first of all, but also that's kind of a. Uh, it's disrespectful to Tua. Similar to like Derek Carr can't throw a deep ball. Like they can. They're just not top five in the league. But Tyreek Hill's biggest weapon for the Chiefs is the same biggest weapon he brought with Tua is that's after the catch. A lot of his 40-yard plays came on 15-yard receptions. It's after the catch. Tua is one of the better quarterbacks at throwing guys open. Then you get Tua and Jalen Waddell. So, yeah, to finish what the statement was is if healthy – uh, and that goes for everybody involved, but especially Tua. If healthy in 17 games at Tua, top 10 finish, I feel like we would just lock that in. I think the only reason we don't have him there is because there's a lot of risk given all his injuries and especially the concussion side. And now two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Claim based on total games carried on sports networks. Sports availability varies by zip code and requires choice package. Terms or restrictions apply. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's the little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're going to tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Call 1-800-DIRECTV. Terms or restrictions apply. Yeah, and it's one of those things, what I was getting at before was I remember doing something like this when you look at the options and you're like, well, if a guy, if they have two top 10, top 12 wide receivers on a team, how is a guy not going to be a top option? The last time we kind of did this was with Jared Goff and it was with Jared Goff with Cup and I think it was with Robert Woods and they had a set, I'm completely forgetting who the third, there were like three wide receivers and you're like, two of these guys are top 15 wide receivers. Uh, Brandon Cooks, thank you. You know how can this? How can he not be this good? There's something similar in this with Tua. The running game seems to be a different space. There are incredible wide receivers that spread the field, and it kind of becomes about his health. And again, there are bigger questions we can ask with the Dolphins on the fantasy value, but it probably comes down to if Dalvin Cook is there, you have an option. If not, it's more deep play. If you had to pick one of those running backs, if they don't bring in a Dalvin, who would you pick, by the way? Are you an A-chain guy? Is it Jeff Wilson? Mostert? <sighs> I mean, whatever's coming at the discount, because we don't know. We can make our guesses. And yeah, I think A-chain is great for the passing game upside. And we're especially in half and full point PBR. That's what we're looking for. Uh, the Wilson versus Mostert might be more of a competition as the lead option. So what if they're splitting? What if it's a three-headed monster, but I want the guy in the passing game? So that's why I would lean A-Chain. But if A-Chain ends up being sixth rounder in drafts, and just fifth rounder, where now it's like, you know, we, I could see this getting into August, and, you know, we, that's the word is that, oh, he's going to be the guy, and they don't sign Dalvin Cook, and then his price starts going up, 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 up. 
And then I'd probably say, you know what? Then I'll just take the flyer on Mostert or Wilson. I'll just I'll take the flyer on one of them to stay healthy and be the guy, especially the guy again in the red zone. Uh, funny enough, consensus ranks doesn't know what the hell to do because those three guys are within like six of each other on a consensus basis with Jeff Wilson being the top dog, then A-Chain and then Mostert. And those two are back to back and they're all in the 40s on the consensus rank. So there's some value to be had, but it's more about not understanding what the situation looks like. What does this situation look like if another running back comes in to New England? There have been the Dalvin Cook Patriot rumors. Kind of Patriots have been involved offensively across the board. I decided, yeah, I decided the best question around the Patriots right now from a fantasy perspective is around Ramondre Stevenson. And the question I present to you is what kind of running back hurts Ramondre, Ramondre Stevenson's value? And there may not be one at all, but Ramondre is going off as a top 10 RB, a first round pick in many instances. Who and what can hurt his value? Dalvin Cook and Ezekiel Elliott. <laughs> and end of statement. Two running backs that aren't going to be brought in to play second fiddle. That's and especially if you're talking about Dalvin Cook and Stevenson now falls into back being the pass catcher with a even like even split because you don't bring in Dalvin Cook to be like, hey, you're going to get 30 percent of the touches. Dalvin Cook's not looking for that. I mean, he probably isn't looking to get destroyed at this point of his career. But also, he's not coming. He's not coming to any team for that. And they want to hand out a contract that he wants for that. That's not the con- he doesn't want a two million dollar contract, three million dollar contract. He wants at least half the share. Uh, same thing probably with Zeke at this point. I mean, Zeke's willing to take the pay cut, and he's not what he once was. But Zeke coming in, he's still one thing. I don't know how you can call this a skill. But the reliability being out there every single week, like Ezekiel Elliott pretty much needs a leg falling off for him to not be on the field, just goes out there. But also, yeah, very inefficient at times, but you can trust him to get kind of that pounding that you maybe don't want Stevenson to take. And so maybe he's not as a big a threat as Dalvin Cook, but both of them would be significant threats. Both of them, I would immediately not have Stevenson as a top, 12 running back and I don't even know it depends on the projections like how he kind of falls but he would at least be in kind of around that RB20 conversation for both or like Cook specifically like does it is there a little bit of a difference or just both? as he comes in there as he comes in there it would be best case scenarios like uh let's say Zeke goes in I'm trying to think so like a Ken Walker Charbonnet but they're closer like Ken Walker's top 15 Charbonnet's like 35 I think you get them Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon in like their best season so you could still have Ramondre Stevenson be, he could even finish top 10 if he gets 12 touchdowns, but he's more likely to hang around RB 12 to 15, where, you know, Zeke would be like that kind of like RB 30. And I think that's what we would be looking at. Is there a fantasy value anywhere on this Patriots team? Is there even anybody insanely underrated that you are a target of? <laughs> uh, Tyquan Thornton for, for the Patriots. I think the fact that, he was raw coming in last year. We saw flashes. I know they brought back Devontae Parker, and there's other options to this team now. Obviously, Juju Smith-Schuster, but like Juju Smith-Schuster is Juju Smith-Schuster. And like, hey, I want the guy that's going to finish wide receiver 38, 42, somewhere around there. He's he's old Bills Cole Beasley at this point. Like he's just he's going to finish right around there. Like where, where's the real upside? I would take the shot for free because that's why on Thornton and then Mike Isecki at tight end. Like they they love their tight ends. And a lot of times they love two of them. This is one of the few teams that loves two of them. I think Mike Kosicki could could surprise this year. Kosicki or Kincaid? Oh, Kosicki. 
Okay. All right. There you go. People aren't going to like that. Uh, last no, one. Yeah, last one in the AFC East. And there's actually a couple of questions I have in mind. The well, New York Jets. Free. So anyway, go ahead. He is free. He is free. But, you know. People are, people are going to invest in Kincaid and they're going to have a heart attack. Straight up, uh, I, I, I think I have them back to back. Honestly, go ahead. Really? Sorry. Okay. Well, uh, yeah. going to the Jets. I think there's multiple questions in here. My first one: Will Aaron Rodgers make Garrett Wilson a top ten wide receiver this year? <laughs> I don't know if that's going to happen. I actually have Garrett Wilson just outside my top ten at eleven, and. I had Garrett Wilson firmly inside the top 10 at like six, seven, eight before all this happened. Assume, well, that was with the assumption that Aaron Rodgers was coming. But the biggest thing I keep bringing up, the biggest red flag for me, is that I was doing that with the assumption that Alan Lazard didn't come over. And no, Garrett Wilson doesn't even have to worry about Alan Lazard on a talent basis. Like this isn't like this isn't the same stratosphere of talent. Garrett Wilson is supremely better than Alan Lazard. But. Alan Lazard's still a good player. Alan Lazard still has the connection with Aaron Rodgers. We, the comparison I bring up is we sat there for years and said, ooh, there's something special between Russell Wilson and Tyler Lockett. They just know where they need to be. Each They're their other side. And when it comes to even the red zone, Russell Wilson's looking for Tyler Lockett. He's going to find him. And that's what it is. Like Aaron Rodgers targeted Alan Lazard in the red zone and end zone more than Devontae Adams those two years. Or maybe it was like a year and a half of what it was when they played together consistently. And he just looks for him. And he was the highest last year. He went to Larry. Now, granted, again, rookie wide receivers, all that. But still, he looks for Alan Lazard. And I say all that to say, Garrett Wilson might have a great year, but it might be a great DJ Moore year. It might be 1,200 yards and four touchdowns because Lazard's absorbing a lot of them. And that's my only concern. Like if you told me Lazard didn't come over and it was some other jabroni, like swap out Juju Smith-Schuster and Al Lazard. I'd be like Garrett Wilson, top 10. Like there's no, there's no threat. Like, but it's just Aaron Rodgers has that comfort with Lazard. He does. And Garrett Wilson is ECR 10 wide receiver and half PPR right now. So that's why you bring up the question. I feel like there's very, don't you feel like there's very little room to get a return on that? There's so little wiggle room. That's a big thing we talk about a lot. And I think some people roll their eyes, but it's like when you talk about the headroom for returned value, there are players you can point to. And I actually think it's there's another player we're going to talk about here in a second. There's so much less wiggle room. Like he has to do so much to be able to produce at this level. How much more upside is there than playing maybe a little bit of a safer game? Sometimes that's not fun, but yeah, I think there's a lot it, similar things we said in years past about like when Clyde Edwards Lair was going as high as he was, it's like, how much do you have to do to even provide the draft value? And Garrett Wilson is easily going in the second round. I think the same question, and I might be off on this can be said about the running back spot. Do you think the community has built up or is there a worry around Brees Hall coming off of this injury also rumors about the Jets being in on some of these running backs that maybe we're not building in enough potential downside on Brees Hall off of that injury with him going off is like, I think he's like RB. I'm trying to pull it up here real quick. 12. Yeah. RB 12. I mean, that is a RB one in fantasy. Do you think we're building in enough worry about Brees Hall's injury in draft season? The consensus isn't. I think I am. I have him at RB15. And I, I think we have to acknowledge that if you wanted to tell me I get to draft Brees Hall from October on, I'd put him a little bit higher. But I think this is very similar to Saquon Barkley 
different injury, but I think we're looking at Saquon Barkley from a few years ago where we had to wait till the end of September to see the 100% Saquon Barkley. Uh, it's, like I said, slightly different, but it's similar in the fas- fashion that, like, we're assuming week one, question mark? And, like, it, we're assuming that even if he's ready by week one, how healthy will he be? Like, we're assuming, like, 100% of week one. I don't think history has shown that that happens very often, and teams are usually slow to do so because they realize what they have in this talent. And the options that the Jets have, it's not just that they already had Carter and then Zonovan Knight from last year and the options they already had. They were, they drafted another running back, which are always like, let's get some depth. Maybe we're starting the season with Brees Hall on pop, which hopefully not. But best case scenario, he's ready for week one. And I think that you have to play the long game of, look, I know I'm drafting Saquon Barkley in the first round back then. It's kind of more like the second round. Maybe I'm drafting Brees Hall at the end of the second round, but the risk there is you're not going to get him for at least until October where you can finally say, yes, this is Brees Hall. This is the top 12 running back I wanted. And then, of course, there's the added risk of he doesn't ever get back to it until next year. Some of those running backs take a year to get back. There's been plenty that have come back the year and just taken some games to get there. There have been others where you don't see it until the year after. A lot of times that's Achilles or something like that. But I'm just saying, a lot of risk is there for the fact that Joe Mixon's behind him. J.K. Dobbins is behind him. I take both of them. Najee Harris is neck and neck with him. I take Najee Harris. Uh, Ken Walker? Like, I don't feel great about them drafting Charbonnet, but I think that, I think Walker would give you a better floor hall to a higher ceiling. So I have no problem taking Hall, but like, that's the rain he should be in for me. And, you know, there's another thing to think about it with this team. You you can see with Rodgers and what they're developing is trying to have as much depth as possible that I'm worried about the injury and I'm worried about everything not being right. <laughs> That the Dalvin Cook's rumors bothered you, didn't they? That really bothered me because one thing I think about too is this team might want someone that can be a little bit of a bruiser because even when Brees is going, they might only want him to have 12, 14 touches total, 15 touches, catch out of the backfield, 9 to 10 carries because they want to limit. And DeAndre Swift territory here? Yes, that's well, that's what I'm alluding. Mm. Like, you might be – I'm not saying they'll do that and camps are going to tell us a lot more, but I, I'm – Initially worried about that because when you're drafting a player at this level, this high, with an injury like this, you're taking on way more risk. You're taking on the risk of, A, them bringing in a guy and shorting his usage, and also him maybe not just being 100% right, but it is an explosive offense. I loved Brees Hall last year. It's just the injury stuff gets me a little bit concerned. The East, NFC. Let's go over to the NFC side. Let's start with the Eagles. The Eagles, can Jalen Hurts make two wide receiver ones out of Devonta Smith and AJ Brown. I had a little note here weeks one through thank you, Barkley weeks one through nine, AJ Brown was a top 10 wide receiver, but Devonte Smith was like 35th in fantasy scoring in half PPR during that time weeks 10 through 18 on the back half, both top six wide receivers in fantasy or top eight. They were right in there. I think they're actually four and six, respectively, uh, Brown and Smith. So in your mind, can Jalen Hurts make both of these guys wide receiver ones? Mm, Barely no, (laughs) because I I think it's possible. Like if it happened, it wouldn't shock me. Uh, We sit here and talk about Jalen Waddell and uh, Tyreek Hill, both as top 10, and not very many people argue with that at all. The difference here is I'll bring in Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs 
and Travis Kelsey for the comparison here. Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddell are in this conversation because of it. Is it they get about 50% of the entire share. That's the issue. So the problem here is the Phillies, the Phillies, <laughs> the Eagles, the baseball <laughs> in the mind. I'm hoping the Mets go on a full fire sale. So I'm just like, I just want to see them go down. So the Phillies can. You look behind. at me too, and you think a little bit of baseball as well. They, so, oh, I mean, you have yeah. 8,000 baseballs behind you, like I do Funkos. So yeah, it's, exactly. <laughs> uh, I appreciate the Corbin Carroll jersey behind you, by the way. Anyway. Oh, that's my guy. But by the way, who do you think? What do you think? I have more baseballs, or you have more Funkos? Oh, I have more Funkos. It's not even a question. Unless you're hiding a whole other rack I, of baseballs. I somewhere. do have some other baseballs in some other okay. places. We have to do a count one day. Yeah, I was about um, to say we got to count them. Don't just ride the index. Seek to outperform it with Fidelity Active ETFs. Learn more at fidelity.com slash active ETFs. Before investing in any exchange-traded fund, you should consider its investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Contact Fidelity for a prospectus, an offering circular, or if available, a summary prospectus containing this information. Read it carefully. While active ETFs offer the potential to outperform an index, these products may more significantly trail an index as compared with passive ETFs. Fidelity Brokerage Services, LLC, member NYSE, SIPC. Looking for the best place to buy tickets for any of your favorite teams or sporting events? We've got the spot. Our partner, StubHub, has been the leading ticket marketplace in the world for over 20 years, providing a 100% guarantee with every order. From a worldwide selection of live events, the widest choice of tickets and industry-leading partnerships, StubHub has what you need to purchase with confidence. StubHub, an official partner of The Athletic. The problem is you have Dallas Goddard, you have Jalen Hurts spreading the ball a little bit more around. So where you have AJ Brown and Devontae Smith, it might be 40, 45%. Whereas you're talking 45, 50, maybe even 55% for like Waddle and Hill or back in the day, Hill and Kelsey, or potentially if something happened to Tyler Boyd, it would need to happen. But T Higgins and Jamar Chase, it won't because of Tyler Boyd. He's enough. That's a similar situation. You got her Boyd. You have a third person involved. The days with the Packers where you had like Jordy Nelson and Randall Cobb, there wasn't really a third factor in there. Like Richard Rogers, the one year caught eight touchdowns, but you see what I'm saying is there's more people involved here. So I, it could happen, but I wouldn't put him there. Like I would still take Higgins one spot in front of him as the other part of that half. And then I have Alave and Wilson who we talked about Wilson and then Waddle and St. Brown. And it's just like, who do you jump? Who do you jump Devonte Smith in, in front of to say that they're going to get there? So it could, but you probably need injuries or, and that might even be to the Eagles themselves. Like you might have just a Dallas Goddard injury. If you told me Dallas Goddard was out today, I'd say yes. I would actually move Devonte Smith in front of Higgins. What's interesting too, is there are three teams that have these these duo wide receivers of being top 15 and you've got uh hill and waddle you've got chase and higgins and then you've got smith and brown would you say that the eagles duo is the most likely to have the biggest um failure or uh differential between the number one and the number two guy does that make sense how i said that like a lot of people view higgins as like a wide receiver one if you were to pick one of those duos to have a bigger gap between the two, do you think it's the Eagles? Mm, no, I actually think it could end up being the Bengals just because if it spreads more. Like, I love Higgins. I think Higgins could be a one on a lot of teams, but I think Higgins' threat is bigger than, like, the threat around him is bigger than Devontae Smith's, even with Goddard. Like, mm. I, I don't. I don't see Devontae Smith losing his share because it's Dallas Goddard. We already saw it last year. It's Dallas Goddard and a bunch of dudes. It's still Dallas Goddard and a bunch of dudes. And T. Higgins is Tyler Boyd 
any given week and some actual guys behind him and actually a relevant t- tight end if Irv Smith can ever stay healthy. But you have other people and hell, Jamar Chase might take more of the share away this year as he continues to ascend and now entering the third season. So that's why I think Higgins could actually, of the three, between Waddle, Smith, and Higgins, Higgins could be the one that ends up with the biggest gap. Because I can see Chase finishing one and Higgins finishing 20th. And that that still great seasons, but I can see that happening. Uh, only last one, I think you might have kind of answered this with the Eagles. Are you penny over Swift in this running back situation? <laughs> can I Can I guarantee health? Penny over Swift. Uh, if not, I, I have Swift over Penny because there's just there's so many injuries to Penny's career at this point. It's, Is this also just an avoid? Maybe. No, I actually think where they're going right now, they're both good values. Like if you like, I I, I agree with Swift. Fringe, I'm not a Penny guy, but I I agree with uh, Swift. Fringe RB two for Swift, yes. Fringe RB three for Penny, absolutely yes. Like I actually love Penny's more because he's like RB forty right now, thirty nine forty. Uh, and I, I'll this would be one of those situations where I wouldn't mind drafting both just because of the cost. I mean, you're talking Swift, fifth, sixth round, Penny, seventh, eighth, ninth, depending on where you're drafting sometimes. And you could get both and you're not being like, oh, God, now my team, I don't know who to start any single. No, you could actually potentially get the winning running back. Penny just feels like the if you're a baseball guy, a Bi- the Byron Buxton of running backs. And it's just like, we know he's going to get hurt. And we, Bucks then? Well, we just like pretend. I love Buxton, but you like pretend and we're just like, oh, you could be No, so because Buxton's like, finally healthy now and now he's hitting a buck 50. Yeah, well, he, he's why, why they, they don't play him in the field. <laughs> I know, I know. But, but it's like they don't even play it. I'm just saying, like, you you're, you caveated it by being like, well, is he going to be healthy? You, like, we you know he's not going to be healthy. the names. Uh, this is the super baseball people listening right now. You erase the names, and you wouldn't know if it's Joey Geller or Byron Buxton right now. In their oh, they're lines. identical, and that's what's <laughs> terrifying. But also the same point is, like, Penny's that same guy where it's like, well, if I could get – you're never guaranteed. You know he's going to get hurt and wear down. The funny know, thing those is, six though, games are going to be amazing. You're going to get a top 15 <laughs> running back for those six games. But they also have two of those guys now, and they just have, like, Swift and Penny, and it's just they're hoping to create the super player. That's what they're doing. It's super scrolls for Marvel. That's what they've done is they're trying to combine all these special powers together to create a running back. And it's just like, I don't know. It might be Kenny Gainwell at the end of the year. They should just pull on him, bringing a whole bunch of other dudes in there too. And just, yeah, exactly. Just we get a ring and just go. All right, let's go over to the Cowboys. Pollard did not sign an extension. So he's going to be playing on the franchise tag. Does this make him safer because they'll run him into the ground or does this actually create more worry because of their future investment and bringing back Ezekiel Elliott? So really, this is just about Pollard. And what what are we looking at here? Should we feel better about uh, his current state or should we feel worse about how the Cowboys are working with him? So uh, I'm going to pull, again, something talking with Mike Tomlin, but like coaches in general, this is going to be like, oh, name dropping. This is the job. We do these things so you guys do can, can pass the information. No, no, no. That was it. That was that Mike Tomlin. It's just we pass the information along to help you be a better fancy player. When it comes to coaches, they don't care about the contract. Like they don't see, and I know you weren't saying this, like it's not Chris Welsh is saying this. It's just, this is actually a very big crutch argument that you'll see out there is you'll see, oh, he's a free agent. They're going to run him into the ground. Oh, he just signed a big deal. They're going to want to be safe with them. Coaches don't think that way. Coaches aren't out there being like, well, what's this guy? Let me go to spot track. Let me, let me, let me go check it out and see what his guarantees are. Like, no, the only person that really thought about it was Tom Brady when he was trying to get other players bonuses. So they don't care. They're going to run what's best for their team. They're going to run the player as much as he needs to be run for the team and for that specific game script. If the week determines, hey, split backfields, it's one guy or the other. It has nothing to do with the contract. Tony Pollard, 
Same as before, same as he was after. I don't care about the contract. Like, I wish for him, Tony Pollard, Josh Jacobs, and Saquon Barkley, we could stop with this NFL madness that's broken. Like, I get it, like the replaceability of running backs, but you could have it not be mutually exclusive in the fact that running backs, elite running backs, are disrespected like hell. There's no way Emin Ingram deserves more money then Saquon Barkley and Josh Jacobs, did even on a three-year basis. Did you see, I, I don't forget, remember the names, and I'm not one who's afraid to like mention the names, so I'm not doing this out of like purposeness, but did you see that whole, like, this is what you do with running backs, and then Austin Eckler quote tweeted being like, this is garbage, because there, there was a fantasy person that or a football person that was like, you draft them, you play them, and then you draft another guy, and then you release them, and you get out of here, and Austin Eckler had to step in about like, his annoyance with how running backs are being kind of treated overall. Yeah. Did you see that? There, I don't know if you did. There's, it, I didn't see it, but he, it, I'm sure I'm, I could assume a lot of that. And he's not wrong in the fact there is a difference for elite level running backs. Elite level running backs bring specific things to teams. And sure, you could say Ezekiel Elliott is a perfect example. Don't give the contract. He was elite though. And yes, towards the end, and that second contract was bloated. And part of the reason that everybody uses that as examples, look at the fall off. We know that, like, again, it's not mutually exclusive. We know running backs fall off. We know they get beat up more than the other position and their careers are shortened and their peak value is there. But there's a difference that elite level running backs make. And, you know, maybe we get the second contract starts to be three years. Like, Staquan Barkley, Josh Jacobs, all these running backs, they need to realize three years, 40 million, three years, 50 million. Like, give them a decent contract, but at least for those three years and not make it five, that type. But anyway, that aside, there's a difference to be made, and Tony Pollard makes a difference for the Cowboys. The difference, and I'm tying this all together, of where I see Pollard different than Jacobs and Barkley is I don't know if the Cowboys and Mike McCarthy believe he deserves, not deserves, he's best suited to have 20-plus touches, especially 18-plus carries per game. Is Tony Pollard the best version of Tony Pollard in an Aaron Jones type where some, some weeks he does get 20, but most of the time he sits in the mid teens, like Jamal Charles for some years, and he's still an RB one, but let's keep him from the top five conversation just because the volume is not going to be there. What if they really do believe in Malik Davis? What if Malik Davis just happens to get eight rushing touchdowns and hurts Tony Pollard this year? Just or what risk. if they bring what if they bring back Ellie? I mean, you you mentioned what I still Ellie. Think we that's know a possibility. <laughs> I still think that's gonna. Well, I mean, Jerry, Jerry there's Jones. There's a non-zero or, chance Zeke is up back on the Cowboys next year. Uh, Jerry Jones sir, seems to say that that's not the case, and the rumors that are floating out there. And you kind of you know what it is. Uh, the first half of last year, Pollard was RB nineteen and half PPR weeks one through nine, and he was RB five on the back half of uh, weeks 10 through 18. So you kind of have a, a, a general idea, but if Elliot were to sign back there, what would that or let do? Let me phrase it this way then, because you said RB5. McCaffrey, Eckler, Taylor, Chubb, Barkley, Bijan, Henry, Jacobs, Pollard, and we'll throw in Stevenson since we're talking about him today, assuming nothing happens with these backfields. Backfields are what they are as of today. Of all those names, if you told me reverse rank them, so basically say the least possible chance to finish as RB1, Tony Pollard would probably start the list for me. Mm. Okay. And that's why. Yeah, and, He's in the tier. Was, He's just the bottom end of the tier. Yeah, and part of the whole, like, you know, contract stuff alluding in there has to do with maybe how the team views what they can get out of the player and the usage. And, you know, why do they not sign a guy to an extension? Because to your what you said in there was maybe they don't believe this is a guy that can be a 20-25 touch player. And if that's the case, that would probably also come out in his usage for this year. And if that offense is less effective, then that's if he's getting less touches or not the touches at work 
uh, expecting, then that's probably going to show. Said, and that I might make the audio just picked up Barkley chewing on the, on the, on the <laughs> okay. so, so, For anybody that heard that, <laughs> was he chewing on the mic? She, stop calling him he. Or she, I'm, I'm sorry, he. I, I hate when people do that too, and I do that all the time with Barkley. It's the name, <laughs> Barkley. I just it's don't treat. do that. Okay, I thought yeah. it was, she was chewing on the mic, which would have been great. No, uh, the no, last two in the East, going over to the Giants, is Danny Dimes the riskiest quarterback investment yes. this year? Boom, there you go. <laughs> 100%. I, there's a part of me as a Giants fan that would love to see Barkley play the hall, hard line and not play and then see what happens to Daniel Jones with no Saquon Barkley. I think people underestimate the impact he had, that being Barkley, and the fact that it's great play calling. This is Dable. This is Dable and this team, and Kafka too, is making the linebacker have to choose between Barkley and Jones, and if you're going to do that, you're going to pick Barkley every single time. There's other running backs where you probably would have do that. You're like Half the time, you might take them like, James Conner at this point in his career, half the time you take Kyler Murray, half the time you take James Conner. Like, that's just what it is. But every single time you take Barkley and just opens things up. Daniel Jones didn't even throw a touchdown per game. End of story. Daniel Jones still has a who's who of jabronis at wide receiver. That's Dude. just... Take a like, guess. Take a guess real quick. What do you think the highest consensus... You probably know the name, but what is the number of the consensus wide receiver, uh, the consensus ranks? What is the highest you think it is and if you can guess the name i'm gonna say isaiah hodgins at 57 it is isaiah hodgins 69 and half wow. PPR is the highest I undershot the- by quite a bit <laughs> by a lot and then wandell robinson and then paris campbell those are the top three like darren waller's ranks. their one he's their travis kelsey but it's darren waller and it's not travis kelsey and it's darren waller at 30 that we're assuming has a lot left and can be what he was, but still it's come down to Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones just what's remarkable. I think is probably the most interesting thing and crazy thing about Daniel Jones was one of the most accurate and successful passers inside the 10 and inside the 20, but especially inside the 10, but didn't throw touchdowns. So I guess some people will argue and say like, well, the regression is going to come around because how do you do that? Not throw touchdowns. He just has a knack for throwing it to the three yard line. Like it's just like, like he's immune to throwing it into the end zone. Like he doesn't know how. Part of that could also be about having true end zone options. Of course, they may, of course. And, and Darren and Waller I'm, changes. I'm, I'm that presenting game. the positive. I'm playing my own yeah. devil's advocate here. Yeah, exactly. Uh, if you were to bet on one of the wide receivers, who would you bet on in fantasy? I mean, we're talking <laughs> not even top sixty wide receivers. Hodgins is the top guy. Downs is another you player could, I didn't you mention. Could, you could take a shot at multiples. Uh, so Jaylen, who would you take I, a shot? I don't on? think hey, plays. Uh, I would say I'd say Hodgins. They just have that connection. They have a rapport built in from last year. I think Paris Campbell's intriguing, but Paris Campbell's slot only, and that well, at least it sounds like. But then that's Wondell Robinson. So like, you know, Shepard has got, might not even make the team. Slayton outside. Like they just have too many overlaps. They have fifteen guys that are five nine and one hundred eighty pounds. Like I just don't know what's going on. Do you think any of the wide receivers could become a top forty wide receiver in fantasy? Mm, you need some of that out zone presence of being out there all the time. Some touch. I think I think Hodgins is probably the only one. Okay. Hyatt's a year off. I think Hyatt's Hyatt hasn't even broken. You know how we talk about it all the time, and I always say, don't pay attention to who's running with the ones. Pay attention to who's not running with the ones. As of right now, Jalen Hyatt is not running with the ones. Not good. Last one, the Commanders. My biggest question. I think this is another one of those. There's a lot that you can pick out. But there is a big uptick on Antonio Gibson being back. So, is Antonio Gibson back? Why are we doing this? 
I feel like we've done every year. We're like apologetic for Antonio Gibson because this is like, you know who he is? I always reference the Lamar Miller with the Dolphins. They're like, we want him to get more. We want him to get more. We want him to get more. He gets more and he's worse Lamar Miller. He puts up the same numbers, but he's <laughs> way less efficient. I think Antonio Gibson is becoming the new Lamar Miller. Like everybody always wants more, wants more, wants more, wants more. And the team is telling us we don't want to give him more. And I know some injuries have been involved. And Brian Robinson, though, is a nice short yard guy. He Brian Robinson's talented. Brian Robinson did what he did, coming off a gunshot wound to his leg, and still did what he did. Let's not underrate Brian Robinson. So, yes, we've heard the, let's get Antonio Gibson more involved in the passing game again. But we've done this for how many years now? I love Antonio Gibson, but he is what he is at this point. He and Brian Robinson are splitting that backfield. They're fringe RB2 threes. And the real question you should answer or ask everybody out there, along with me, is do you have enough shares of Jahan Dotson because you don't? Is Now, does Sam Howell lessen that excitement of having no. all those Jahan Dotson shares? I actually shares? think Sam Howell is better than anything they had last year. I, I My pre-draft and like after my draft write-up for Sam Howell was lesser Ben Roethlisberger. And I say lesser is because, I mean, to ask any quarterback in the end, like even veterans to throw 4,800 yards and 30-plus 30 touchdowns, like not a lot of quarterbacks do that. With some rushing threat. But I think if you look at stylistically, I think there's a lot of similarities between Sam Howell and Brandon Roethlisberger. And I think there's some rushing upside, as we've seen with Sam Howell, to maybe not quite Daniel Jones, but maybe like a 504, 500 yards, four touchdowns, 400 yards, five touchdowns, somewhere in that range. And if he could just go out there and be 3,500 yards and 20 touchdowns, I mean, Sam, Howell, I'm saying all that to say Sam Howell might be a top 15 quarterback. I'm taking him in a lot in Superflex as my third quarterback. Um, and I think he's an intriguing flyer if you want that, like, just, hey, I'll take a Hail Mary at the last pick in the draft on my second quarterback. And I think it's great for Dotson and McLaurin. I think that he's he could even push Dotson. I wouldn't be, put it this way, I wouldn't be surprised if Dotson finishes ahead of McLaurin this year. That that's that was going to be my last follow-up. That's what you were trying to like, lead me to? Well, I was leading to, like, are you Dotson over McLaurin? Because, or I'm is not, the gap, but okay. the gap should be smaller than what it is. Which, that gap means... Sam Howell would be creating two startable fantasy wide receivers. My gap is six spots. Everybody else gap. That is a much closer gap than, yeah, Yeah. it is actually 100% 15. So there you go. Those are the divisional breakdowns of the East, the AFC, and the NFC. And we have got more coming up. I think we're going to go West Coast on the next episode. We'll go with the West. My team. My team is in there. We'll see. uh, Hopefully all nice things will be said. And we'll have Brandon back for his team as well on the West. As long as he's not on vacation again, of course. we got to make sure he's not on vacation. (laughs) No guarantees or anything. Go to theathletic.com. Sign up today. Make sure you guys are... uh, It's only a couple bucks. Make sure you guys have an account. You're locked in. And you can get access to all the ranks. The adjustable projections, which are pretty awesome. And the draft kit. You want to get the guide, get all of that over at The Athletic. Make sure you subscribe to this podcast so you get all the updates as we continue to drop episodes. And follow us on Twitter at AllInKid, at IsItTheWelsh. That's all we got. Thanks for hanging out with us right here on The Athletic Fantasy Football Podcast. Talk to you next time. Bye, friends.
As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.